This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. We are uh, with you here from the Grand Forks studios, Father James Gross, uh, joined by Father Jason Leffer. And uh, one hour is already in the can. We um, all we always appreciate being able to bring uh, great literature um, and uh, you know great resources to you um, that are that are coming out. And I think we've mentioned this numerous times that whether it be various apps, podcasts, uh, uh, or more traditional media like books, it seems oftentimes that there is a, a, a fire hose being opened up and that we're, you know, wanting to drink from it and there's only so much a person can take in. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversations that we're going to have about um, uh, a couple of uh, books coming up here. And first of all, we are going to turn to uh, an author, Jason Craig, who is with us in this uh, first half hour. So welcome to Real Presence Live. Hey there, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, before we get into this uh, book uh, that we're going to be talking about, can you give us a little bit of your background and how uh, how a guy like you ends up uh, writing about uh, St. Thomas Aquinas? Oh, I cannot answer that easily. Yeah, I did not grow up uh, Catholic, did not grow up um, practicing the faith, actually. I, I'm from the South, so Flannery O'Connor called it, you know, the Christ-haunted South. He's sort of everywhere, but then uh, very incoherent and uh, a lot of uh, almost mythical, superstitious ideas, uh, but uh, came to real faith um, as became a Protestant um, in kind of my teenage, late teenage years, and then became a Catholic, uh, along with my then-girlfriend, now wife, um, uh, let's see, that would have been around 2006, and I grew up very... Uh, blue collar, uh, and I loved it. I loved everything about being on construction sites with men and my dads, and I learned a lot of the uh, just gritty work ethic of, uh, of just good men. They're just doing their best, supplying for their family's needs, and um, kind of going, I don't know, skipping over a lot of years. I found myself a Catholic and very drawn uh, somehow late in life to the intellectual side of things and the intellectual um, uh, coherence and beauty of the faith, and I was amazed when I read something like Aquinas, just how much wisdom is there, but then also recognizing this is really um, um, inaccessible on an average level, but then also my experience of really trusting the wisdom of men in the trenches, and uh, I had kind of a, I don't know if you ever heard about the author Peter Marin, Uh, he was uh, kind of a Catholic fireball uh, in the early 1900s, and he would, and he, I think he had a similar, he liked to really hang out with, like, factory workers, and then on the side, read Aquinas, and he would say, you know, he wanted every working man to be a scholar, and every scholar to be a working man. You know, there's just some things you cannot know unless you've smashed your thumb with a hammer, um, and there's just some things you cannot know unless you've really pondered the, the bigger things in life, and so anyway, that's I think that's how this book. Yeah. My, my work with fraternists and, and so so Jason, um, there's a I, I I don't want to delay it too long here, but I there, I find there's something on your bio that just intrigues me, and and I'd, 
if you're willing, would you share with uh, our listeners? But you you have a reference there about like kind of your background and how at a, you grew up in a split home, and at a certain point, your father stepped into your life, and and you you connected that like how you you came to know God as Father as a saving Father. Could could, could you share briefly just that little? I think it's so uh, so inspiring. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I. I very typical American situation of, of divorced parents and um, coming to live with my dad. You know, he's, he's still, he's not a Catholic man. And, you know, I know very well his vices and where he lacks virtue, but uh, he did love me as a son. And I had, you know, the, the illustrating story, you know, we lived in kind of a rough neighborhood. And I remember there was a time I went to walk down to my friend's house and I was being attacked by a dog. You know, it sounds like some, you know, uh, Padre Pio dream, except it was just an actual dog, not a demon. And um, my dad comes running down the hill and just, you know, hits that dog with a big metal pole. And uh, I I know there's some people listening that sympathize more with the dog than me. But I was saved (laughs) by my father, you know, with this heroic uh, act of, and, and, you know, that's just the kind of guy he was. He just loved me. He was there for me in a very simple way. I mean, I don't have a lot of, not some extraordinary lessons or listen here, son, and just that kind of thing. And, And when someone later told me, your father in heaven loves you. And he came down from heaven with a big stick and beat a dog off of you. You know, that it made sense. And that's really shaped, you know, the apostles I work with and my own uh, faith and my own understanding of, you know, how, especially with, with young men communicating God's love for them, is that they really, we need to know the love of a father. And it's, it's not optional and so that was yeah that was very powerful so as you you share that story i'm inspired to share this with you you, i don't know if you know the greek language very well and uh do you know the meaning of your name jason uh believe me god saves so and where it comes from it's the greek accusative for the name yeshua joshua or Jason, like Jason the Argonauts, and it means one who saves, right? So, it, as you're telling that story about the the father who comes down and so forth, I'm just saying, hey, look at look at your own name. So it's all part of <laughs> it's all part of a, a grand story, a great story. So, uh, oh, that's that's helpful for me. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Now we've brought up your uh, website here, uh, fraternus.net, F-R-A-T-E-R-N-U-S uh, dot net. Could you just say a word uh, before we get into the uh, book about uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas? Uh, just to say a word about the uh, the apostolate and and uh, how this came about. Sure, uh, really, the you know the idea we you know we're hemorrhaging boys from the church. Boys are leaving the church faster than any other demographic, and um, they really feel like to become a man they have to stop being Catholic in lots of ways. Um, and a lot of times we talk about how are we going to reach boys today. Well, fraternity just does it totally different. We don't reach boys. They don't. That's not the problem. They need to reach us as Catholic men. So when we have coherent, meaningful, powerful uh, brotherhood amongst ourselves, which, by the way, should be normal to Catholicism, um, it's much easier to say to the boys, hey, come join us in this, uh, than to send in the special troops to try to go reach them after they're halfway lost. So that's what Fraternus does, is sets up mentors and brotherhoods, kind of the structure of mentoring and brotherhood within a parish. And and the name name itself, Fraternus, that, that, that means brotherhood, correct? Yeah, brotherly in Latin, that's right. Yep, yeah. So, the, you know, what struck me is, as you're describing your background, Jason, and like what you've started here and what's going on very fruitfully, um, just this past week, uh, about a week ago or, or so, um, Pope Francis released a new uh, 
document or a new desire, I'll call it a desire, you know, modo proprio on Catholic theology. And, and basically, thinking the best of what he's doing there, he, he's asking for what you're describing, what you're actually living. He's asking that Catholic theology becomes, just like what you said, it, it moves from a place of, of just a, a theory or an idea to actually hitting your thumb with a hammer. You know, where it, it, it's kind of, kind of where the idea meets the street, you know, and, and it becomes accessible. And so, as you describe, like, um, hey, we're not going to send the paratroopers in to save the boys, but we're going to invite the boys to come to men who are maturing in Christ to experience uh, a, lived, a lived theology. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of sad we even have to put it that way. I mean, it's so obvious. Um, you know, the, definitely the uh, uh, minutia of, you know, renewals of the, I, I don't know. I've, I've had the same, you know, sort of the Peter Marin experience. It's like, wow, there's just so much brilliance already there. And a lot of times, it is just us connecting these things. You know, we need these kind of conduits in the middle. And uh, I think anyone who's been involved with actual conversions and not just writing about it or speaking about it, I mean, you know, this is how it works. You, you, you're hitting your thumb with a hammer all the time. So how do you go from, from that to um, make us the, the next connecting step from, from your lived experience here to, to, to writing a book? What, what inspires you to write a, a book about the virtues. Yeah, well, let me, um, I always like, when we've had a couple of these interviews, I just like to say, uh, if there was ever a book that did not need to be written, it's another one about virtues and Aquinas. Uh, <laughs> you know what, you just, a, you just, you just made me want to read your book. <laughs> it, just not, it was just not necessary, you know, and I don't, I don't have full control over how, you know, covers and titles go, but uh, the the content of the book was not about, you know, saying this again. It was actually creating a book that would create the context of study, the most fruitful place of study, which you as priests, have, you experience this most likely in seminary, which is when you study the virtues in, you know, conversation and even argumentation with friends, that's how it ought to be. So this book is really attempting to, you know, I had two groups in mind. I had a, a father around the table with his children, particularly his sons, uh, and I had small fraternities and groups of men that were saying, all right, what are we going to read next, guys, um, to read this, and that's what it's for. And it was meant to regain some of the vocabulary of virtue, and, and we use it so wrongly. I think Aquinas just does a really good job of correcting us and uh, how we can think about virtue very much in a pagan way, actually. Um, and I, so this this was it's it's laid out to be read and digested with brothers, you know, with your brothers in Christ and with your even and that's I'm doing it with my family right now. Even though I wrote it, they were like, "Well, we have to do it." I'm like, "All right, let's do it." So I'm doing it with my with my sons and actually my older daughters joining in and my wife, and uh, that's what it's for. So just so you know, it's not just I, it's not just another, all right. Here's another book on Aquinas and virtue. Uh, it has to do with creating the context of study. So, so Jason, we're really excited. Uh, we just step away for a break here in, in a few moments, but just really excited on the other side of this break. If maybe you could actually draw us into that experience, then of taking the material you have and, and how it works, introduce us to the material, and then actually walk us through what it's like to actually use this in, in a very fruitful way. Would you be willing to do that for us on the other side of the break? I'll, I guess I guess I'll hang around for that. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. We appreciate it. The book is The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas. We're privileged to have Jason Craig with us, and we will continue the conversation on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Faith transforms time. Time is transformed by faith. In faith, time is measured by the acts of God, whose heart is, in all his activity, turned toward man. The two great events that are central in the movement of time, according to our Christian understanding, are the birth and the resurrection of the Lord. Our Christian feasts are based on our insight into these acts of God, not on our observation of the movement of the planets. The constant return of these feasts is not an eternally repeated cycle, but the expression of God's inexhaustible love of which we are made aware by an act of memory. Unlike the beginning of the civil year, the Christian beginning, Christmas, has a very special newness. It offers us again and again the opportunity to return to the goodness of the God who became man, in that goodness to become a child again, and in it to live a new life. When he became a living part of our history, the dark mystery of our own birth was completed, and our beginning, until then situated uneasily between blessing and curse, became a blessing. God's creation does not come to nothing. It is always moving toward the resurrection. In the midst of passing time, there is always a new beginning. This new beginning is eternal love. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross, joined by Father Jason Leffer. This is a good time to remind you, in case it's been a while since you've checked out our website, realpresenceradio.com, you'll find a lot of uh, helpful information. There are prayer requests that you can leave and join with uh, those of us in our network in praying uh, for those who have asked for prayers. We also have information about upcoming events, the various uh, banquets that are happening throughout the course of the um, next several months in the uh, uh, the network uh, listening area. So realpresenceradio.com is the place for that information. And uh, we're com- coming back to this conversation with uh, Jason Craig and his book, The Traditional Virtues According to St. Thomas Aquinas. So um, uh, as we get into more of this, just, just talk about um, kind of the... Uh, uh, I would say the, uh, the the reputation, the methodology of St. Thomas Aquinas and why this is something that was a, a good template or kind of a, a launching point for you in uh, talking about uh, virtues and, and Catholic manhood. Yeah, I think the, the two things that Aquinas does when you, you know, kind of learn to study him, because, I mean, one, he's not accessible, right? I mean, 
you can't say just pick up a client and start reading. You almost you need to kind of know what he's doing in an assignment right. because it's a very it's not an essay form. It's this disputatio question answer objective. You know, yep, this classic um, method. Yep. Yeah, and it's great. And the reason, I mean, it was it's it's really just like the way that the physical sciences, as they sort of like you know really honed in on how to arrive at you know the the truth that they can come to know. I mean, that's kind of what Aquinas is. Kind of the height of of you know human achievement in theology it really is um and but as a man just the two things that he does which are just it's it's just constantly kind of reassuring is that he really does think through the implications that god is god and he made us so you know just when you get into the realm of like temperance you know it's easy for us to just feel this battle in our soul and our, our falling into sin to the flesh and and just kind of like not understand why it's going on, and Aquinas is very good at helping you, you know, the, even the very desire for things, you know, is a sign of God. Even your, in some cases, even you're reaching out towards things that are sinful. The reason you're reaching out is you're reaching towards God. And he, he's sort of like always defending humanity because he believes that God made us, you know, and that, when he gets into talking about why you want to know things, why you want to touch things, taste, feel, um, that's just, it's really helpful to sort of, like, ground yourself, like, okay, here's what's happening within me. And as you read and study him, you, as a man, you go, yes, that is what's happening. Like, he's right. It's, this isn't just, you know, scholastic hair splitting. This is, this is true. This is a man who knows truth. But the other thing he does is make sure that when we talk about virtue, we are always talking about reaching our end, which is God. He never makes it about self-help, success, riches, being a good leader, it is always about God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think, that's something that I wanted to revisit from a comment that you made in the last segment, that um, uh, that in your opinion, St. Thomas Aquinas carries the virtues forward or expands them uh, beyond just kind of a, a conventional or, or pagan understanding. That has to do with, uh, especially with the theological virtues, right? With with God being the end point and, uh, you know, where, where they direct you. Yeah, the, I think... One, uh, the, I mean, the way we, we don't understand virtues today is, I mean, we might have a semi-relativist view that we're sort of actually just looking for values or maybe life hacks, you know, that'll help us get ahead on some, you know, preconceived, ultimately earthly, bodily good, you know, and so it's just not, it's not virtue at all. It's not related to God. It's just, you know, every, every everything you do to improve yourself, it really might not be virtue, you know, um, in the way that Aquinas, what Aquinas, when he says virtue, he's talking about the created nature, the nature you were created with, matured, growing up, being perfected, so that just a, an oak tree is being virtuous, and it grows in virtue as it goes from acorn, you know, to big, giant oak tree. That's, it, it, and man, in the same way, as we grow in stature, what we already were created to be, that's virtue. It's not some extra hack that you, you know figured out in the system of life to get ahead. Uh, and this is this is why the early church was actually kind of skeptical of using the language of virtue, because they were like, well, that's kind of the pagan word, and I'm not sure if we should use that. We've got Christ hmm. different, and sure, you can find these words in Scripture, but there was some, maybe we shouldn't use these, you know, maybe we should describe the good life in another way. And, and of course, it was Augustine who said, no, all the virtues are, are the love of God acting rightly, right? And when Aquinas gets a hold of them, he just unpacks them 
in a way. And, you know, there's thousands of pages of the Summa that I went through to kind of hone in on the, the, the chapters of the book. Um, but when he, whether he talks about why you're angry, like why the anger you feel when someone cuts you off is good. You know, it's like, it's helpful to know why it's good. It's also helpful to know, I did just, I don't always, I don't, I didn't ask for anger just like I didn't ask for hunger. But I need the virtues to order that anger, to order that hunger, or they're going to overtake me because I have the yep. freedom and the will of a man. I'm not a beast. Yeah, and the other the other side of that coin is is justice, you know, so that everyone is mm-hmm. receiving their due, and it's not just focusing on could the you, vice. Yep. So, Jason, I'm really really curious on the very practical level. Could you could you take us to your kitchen table where you're sitting there with your son or your daughter, and your just walk us through like how, how would you take your material here and use it like in a really meaningful practical way with uh, with with your children? Yeah, well, one thing I mean in in our house, and this is thanks to my wife. This isn't me, you know. Conversation about substantial things is regular. We, we presume, you know, we teach and we talk about it in our house, that, you know, your mind, we're going to feed you at this table because your body needs food and your mind needs truth. That's what it's hungry for. So let's talk about it. So that's kind of a habit we have. But if you don't, we would hope that this book could help with that. Um, but what we do is we just, you know, it's in paragraph form. We just read through it and discuss it. What, what, what is meant here? What does Aquinas mean by that? Is that true? You know, we just did the lesson, you know, the other day on the difference between, you know, under the virtue of faith, like, the faith can actually instill some fear, because it's like, I believe in God and He's big, and that makes me scared. Um, and there are two types of fear. It's a servile fear, where I'm just scared of screwing up, and then there's a filial fear, the fear of a son, that I'm, I'm afraid of displeasing a good father and being separated from. You know, we're just talking, what, what do those look like? Do you ever sense that in your faith, and... Um, you know, we talk, why, why do you have to accept all of the teachings of the Church? Isn't that a little daunting? Isn't that ridiculous? We're yeah. just, you know, the, that, that's what's there. Um, and we're discussing it, and we're presuming that there's truth there, that we won't know as keenly without talking about it together. And the, and the book just feeds that. Very good. So, um, can you give us just a, a couple of just little highlights of things that... Um, uh, that that uh, let's say if we have someone listening who is a dad with uh, young children, maybe kind of in your same uh, demographic, uh, what are a couple of things to just kind of whet their appetite that um, uh, that th- that really could help uh, seal the deal? It's like yes, this is going to be an important tool in my spiritual toolbox. Well, one I would just like to tell the you know the reason I wrote this really with dads in mind is that uh, you know when Aquinas talks about what makes God a father, he always says it's because he is creator and perfecter of our nature, which means basically he didn't leave us orphaned. He didn't just create us and that we exist, and he's there to guide and teach and discipline us and care for us so that we're brought to perfection. And that's actually part of the, so fatherhood plants the seed, but also brings it to perfection. And when young men particularly, but children in general, when they're coming into adolescence, it really is the time for the father to begin that real, that the, the discipline of teaching, not just the discipline of, you know, grounding or corporal punishment, or whatever, but the, of teaching about these virtues. And this is where you, you know, don't leave your children orphans. This is your vocation. This is what makes you a father. That as uh, St. Paul says, you know, he will bring to completion what he began in you. Uh, you know, that's part of your job as with your children is to bring to completion their maturity, their adulthood in the faith, which is their formation and virtue. 
Excellent. Um, any other uh, things that you would like to share with us about um, uh, about the the, the um, goals that you have in mind for for those who get their hands on this book? Especially, I would say, with regard to um, you know the, the the proper understanding of masculinity. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our culture who think of that only in a toxic way or, or whatever you know they say. Just uh, you know what yeah. uh, you know what where uh, you know where uh, masculinity, um, authentic manliness, as you say on your website, where that can be more properly understood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we want to be, we, you know, a lot of times we want to be men, and we want to get back to our headship and our authority and uh, whatever that means, and, and that's true. But we have to actually allow God to be our Father for that to happen. He has to, or He must order us in grace, or we're disordered. Uh, and this book comes with just, it's not only, it's a weekly discussion, but it also has a daily scripture passage and a prayer written by Aquinas to to grow in virtue. And, uh, you know, we're doing that as a family, and it's, it is fruitful, because God actually doesn't want you to think of virtue as just, you're not good enough yet. He he really does want to be a father. When For you to be able to grow in virtue means he is fathering you. Whenever you're growing genuinely in Christian virtue, it's always in cooperation with grace, which means growing in virtue is allowing God to be your father, and it is also being who you already are, which is a son. When you grow in virtue, you're not becoming something different from yourself. You're becoming yourself matured. Not a better version, not a improved, not a new model. It's the man that God created you to be, but perfected by his grace. And so what, what you're describing is very different than, say, a, a self-help manual. That's right, yeah. Or try harder, or, or, or you know, Aquinas says you might, have, you might have servile faith, which is basically you've got a faith where you're just scared of screwing up all the time. And that might work. You might make it to heaven, but it's going to be pretty miserable on the way there, and God has so much more for you than that. Amen to that, brother. I, I love I love the hope that you uh, that you give us just by how you speak about this. It's you can tell that you're you're definitely in in uh, in a big sitting in the big metal, uh, kettle of truth. So, <laughs> great. Turn up the stewing heat. and percolating. Yeah, turn up the heat. You know, get, get the percolator going. Let's go. And the name of the book is the traditional virtues according to Saint Thomas Aquinas. Jason Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us. Blessings on you and your uh, uh, family and your apostolate. Thank you so much. Pray for me. Absolutely, we'll do so. And uh, it's one of the great things about uh, this program is that there are many listeners who are going to take that request to heart and they're going Absolutely. to pray for him as well. So um, when we come back, we're going to have another conversation about ecclesial movements. And uh, just uh, as a part of what we're going to be talking about, as Father Nilsson will join us after this break, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. As you think about your future, there is one more thing you can do to add certainty to your life. Write or update your will and estate plan. If you pass away without a plan, all you have worked for in life, financially and emotionally, will be decided and divided by someone you may have never met before. 
We have some tools to help you in your planning. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call Mike at 701-290-4503. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. While God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors, He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Let us run to Mary, and as her little children, cast ourselves into our arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central, and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary, Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m., and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. 